Hello, welcome to Soul Led, a podcast dedicated to the evolution of your soul and the development of your spiritual gifts. I am Nikki Novo, your spiritual mentor, a fiery Latina, mom of three, and a lover of all things intuitive. You're here because you're meant to be here. So let's do this. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Soul Led. How's everybody doing? Hope you get ready, get your notebooks, get your body moving, because we're going to have a nice talk about the pelvic floor, your sacral, your ability to birth your life. And we're doing that today with my dear friend, Kat Castro. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you for having me, Nikki. Kat, just I'm going to read your bio so you can like sit they're awkwardly listening to your own bio for a second mm-hmm. so everybody can get a background. All right, guys. So Kat is a licensed physical therapist. She's a movement teacher, birth doula, and intuitive guide. She's inspired and guided by her own personal healing and decolonization work as a Filipino-American and woman of color. Kat draws upon her extensive years of clinical experience, moving uh, movement training and yoga and Pilates and energy healing to create, create unique offers and tools for her clients to feel embodied and empowered. So Kat is like your girl to like come back home to your body basically and to come back home to that place where your physical body meets like the energetics of your ability to create and you know how we use our body to do all that. So and Kat was also a soul teacher. So of course she has that extra intuitive training, which is super cool. So she's like science and intuition in one person. It was such a beautiful process to see you like coming home to that during um, Soul Teacher. And I'm just so proud of all the work that you're doing. So thank you, Kat, for being here. And thanks for talking to us about this. So you are, um, you're a PT, but you do specialize like in this kind of pelvic floor. It was so funny to see you like learn about this. Like you were all like, when we were doing Soul Teacher, you were like all about the sacral. <laughs> you, you just like knew it so much more than everybody. Um, so I was wondering like, how did you get into that? that niche or that expertise? Like, how did you move into that? Sure. So it's been a process. Um, Before I became a physical therapist, I was in fitness. So I did yoga and Pilates and was teaching a lot of that. And that helped me spark my interest in working with um, like the perinatal population Um, and pelvic floor therapy is a huge part of that. Um, in the States, it's like an area that we're not very aware of. Like, I think we're, we're starting to like, know that, you know, that realm exists, that these services like pelvic floor PT exist. Um, so I found myself just really gravitating towards that, um, niche. Um, is it taboo? Is it like people are just afraid of us talking about like that vagina area or something? What is it? It was actually not even that I have to say, I felt like I was, I mean, in a way, yes, but I feel like I was divinely led because like recently, you know, I've been like uncovering like my ancestry, trying to like understand more what the Filipino culture like really is about. And I had a chance to like connect to my lineage um, with uh Katauran or like a Filipina shaman that lives on the West Coast and midwifery just happens to exist in my, I guess, my lineage, my family line. Mm -hmm. Plus, like we were a culture of like 
also shamanism. So a lot like the person, um, it's called a babaiwan, would be like everything, like an energy healer, um, like a midwife. So in a way, I felt like I was also being called to this like specific niche um, in retrospect <laughs> after this yeah. whole year. Right. Of course. Like we don't um, always know. Yeah. I have goosebumps. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm so happy you got to connect. Yeah. That's so awesome that that's like what she specialized yeah. in, like in Filipino lineage. Yeah. One of the many things I've sounded like we were kind of like almost like a bridge. The mm-hmm. shamans were like a bridge between the physical and the spiritual world. So in some ways I find I'm like, oh, I'm like starting to explore that bridge between like my scientific background and then like the work, you know, that we did um, in Soul Teacher. Mm. So that's been a fun exploration, Um, Mm. but it's really enhanced my work. Like I started off very like medical in my way of, you know, approaching pelvic floor treatment. Um, And I've been in the profession for five years and now I'm starting to even feel a shift in how I'm holding space for women and what I'm like the tools I'm pulling into to help them bring awareness to that area and essentially again like come home to to their bodies in that way beautiful I love that so why should we be paying attention to that area like why is it important to even worry about that area I feel like as I talk to you I keep doing like kegel exercises you know (laughs) Because I'm like, oh my gosh, look at that, Nikki. I haven't done anything. So tell me like, why it's important. Well, if we look at it from a physical perspective, it's like a set of muscles that really we use like all the time. We use it to void, like to go to the bathroom, whether we're aware of it or not. That's like what's helping us go to the bathroom. Um, also, it supports a lot of our movements, just like sitting here when we walk, when we exercise, and it supports our core muscles. We don't, you don't hear about that a lot. You probably hear a lot of people cueing like, oh, engage your abs. But it's like, okay, what does that really mean? But the pelvic floor does support that aspect too, physically. And when you're, you know, you have a strong core, it can really help you support like your movements, you know, like help you move better, more optimally, if we're looking at it from that sense. Um, from an energetic perspective, as we, I think you've had a couple of people now, like talk about some aspects of the sacral. I really find the sacral to be multidimensional. It holds a lot for us. It holds our ability to birth, you know, like literal humans and also like ideas, creativity. Um, It also holds, I find like our, I guess like our lineage, like the ancestral trauma. Um, Yeah. I find because, you know, that's where we come from, Mm. like our mothers and like, it just makes sense for us to hold that in our womb or sacral. Um, what else are so much um, the divine feminine, a lot of like pleasure, a lot of, you know, sensuality, that aspect of ourselves. But then there's also some of like the more, I guess, like darker aspects, like the shadow and like perhaps trauma can also be held there as well. Um, and I find, you know, kind of society we live in right now, it's very like hyper masculine and 
very go, go, go. And that kind of tends to take us out of that center. Like literally our energy goes up, like into our upper chakras where I feel like we're really working from. And right now I feel like we're all really disconnected from the area. We really have to learn to like come down um, and to be able to feel what's there. And that like I, that, that like downward energy is like essentially coming back into your body. And what I've been finding is like, that's like a, kind of like a different language. Like you have to learn the language of your body, which is really like feeling and sensation. So I kind of went off on a tangent. Yeah, but this, is, this is why like, I feel like it's so important for us to start bringing like deeper awareness um, to this area, whether it's just your pelvic floor muscles or even energetically examining the sacral chakra. Yeah, I, um, so I first got into this work like many moons ago, um, just like kind of like that personal development, like kind of awakening work or whatever. And I really entered through the mind. I was like, oh, like I learned, you know, Louise Hayes work and, you know, you can change your life with your thoughts. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is, this is a thing. Like nobody ever told me, you know, so I really was like working the mind a lot. And then a few years later, I was brought through like the body. Um, I was, I don't remember exactly how it happened, but I remember just like being called to my body. And that was like life-changing for me. Um, we, especially those of us like myself that love to exist in the upper chakras, like, you know, I love to like connect and, you know, visualize and all those things. Like, that's all great. But like, if you don't have the connection to the body, then you can't manifest on a physical plane because the body is like the representation of the physical. So like, we need the body to actually like manifest all these you know, like I, you know, like the spirit exists when it's not in the body and other realms or whatever, it can do a lot of cool things, you know, it can visualize and make things happen and all that magic stuff. But on earth, part of it is about the physical and being in a physical body. And like the body is really like the, 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 um, the vehicle to that. It's the bridge to that. So if we don't have a connection to it, it's, it's like, you know, all that upper chakra work that you maybe been working on, the manifesting, the visualizing, all that kind of stuff, like won't come into play. Or even like, if you're just trying to heal yourself through your mindset, which is like what I was trying to do, but you're not feeling what's actually like stuck in the body, or you're kind of just like doing half of the work and you're just going to be kind of frustrated because you're not getting the other half of the work in, you know? Yeah, I totally resonate with that. Um, I find I think there's like a disconnect on both sides because I really loved after Soul Teacher like connecting up and it was like so healing to be able to meet my higher self and to connect to my purpose and the Akashic Records, which we did together and kind of it's so interesting to see like where I've ended up since April. Um, But like then what do we do with that information that we get from our soul, from the upper realms? Um, embodiment I find is like that next piece or sort of that piece that I feel like that word mean? I feel like people use it but maybe not all of us understand what it means like what would you describe embodiment as so I do embodiment coaching now and for me embodiment is like a process of becoming like very familiar like 
with your body senses and the sensations that are going on in your body and using that as a way to essentially like bring in, you know, some of the mindset stuff, you know, if you want to embody the high priestess or this has been coming up a lot in the readings I've been doing, the empress, you know, it's like easy to tell yourself, oh, the empress, I know like she's divine feminine and like grounded, but then it's a matter of asking yourself like, well, how can I bring that into my physical space? Like right now, like what are tangible things that I can start doing to essentially bring those characteristics into my physical body so that I can express it. That's what I find embodiment entails like you know people are doing a lot of feminine embodiment trying to embody the divine feminine which is so 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 beautiful Um, but I do find it's it is a word that I think gets tossed around and like we have to like sit down and think about it for a moment like what's that actually mean yeah yeah, there's those words that you know we use them so much that they end up getting having a lot like a much broader meeting than they used to um so we I think you took class with Kate. Did you take a tarot class with Kate? Oh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I we did. Kate on the show recently and I was joking that like, um, so behind me, I have like two little like wooden cards of the Empress and the high priestess. And I was telling her that the, um, Empress keep the high priestess keeps falling down and the Empress just stays up. And mm-hmm. I used to get the high priestess card all the time. And now the Empress is like, just, you know, like calling me and she gave like a really good explanation of like why she felt the Empress was being shown to me. Um, but since we're on that topic, like, can we use the Empress for a second? So let's say the Empress keeps showing up for me. Um, and maybe it's asking me to like become the Empress perhaps. So what would be some like embodiment, um, tips or rituals or like whatever that would help me maybe embody? Cause the idea is that like, I'm looking at the Empress as like, um, you know, I'm like looking at it as like a kind of a little bit of an example of something that I like an energy that I can borrow and become so that I can get like the benefits of like what the Empress gets. Um, I talk about that often too, like, um, you know, when we're becoming, let's say like we're starting to become like teachers or we're trying to step into like the next level, we can also look at other people. We can like look at Beyonce or we can look at, you know, just like other people that we maybe like, oh, I love her energy and like borrow that energy and kind of like embody that energy. So if I'm using the Empress as my North Star for embodiment, like what would be some of the things I would do that I could do? Well, I'm trying to envision the card and the meaning. A lot of it is like, it's so funny I mentioned those two cards because I didn't even know those were behind you. So you see she's like in nature, I'm seeing like, red you see like the feminine symbol so some easy ways you could start embodying her right away that I'm getting um and I do myself (laughs) is like for example with the red like wearing red lipstick wearing red um what's that stone called oh the carnelian that's actually like a sacral stone so I wear that around my wrist to remind me of like embodying that energy like you want some like almost like visual reminders um to help you kind of play you know essentially play that role um grounding so if you want to take a look at it from more body-based rituals like practices you could do every day like going outside going for a nature walk um I don't know gardening like it's really 
I find up to your interpretation of what that looks like and then seeing how you can like easily do like it doesn't have to be a big thing you don't have to spend a bunch of money to become the empress but taking a look at your immediate surroundings and being like okay like what can I use right um and in terms of like the feminine um like how can I be more of like in a receiving state does that mean like carving out time like I don't know one or two hours to just be and not you know do look at my to-do list like just sit in you know again in nature and just like be open to the sounds and you know the senses of nature so stuff like that okay um, yeah so I love it so it seems like what you so embodiment I guess in the way that you're describing it is almost like um you have a sense of what you're becoming you know like I'm yeah. you know we, there's always a sense of like, I'm becoming the butterfly or I'm becoming this, or I'm becoming the star, like whatever it is that we think we're becoming and using practices to embody, to like, not just let that star come by chance or not let that empress come by chance, but actually like using some sort of visual representation of maybe what the star represents or what the empress represents or whatever. And, um, doing some practices to help you become that because embodiment is really the process of like becoming. So Mm -hmm. instead of just like seeing it or visualizing it or having the idea of it, but actually like walking and stepping into it, which I think a lot of us, like, you know, when we're stuck in transition, we're like trying to become into that next stage and we just like don't know how to get there. And embodiment is really what gets us there. Yeah. Oh, I I just remembered one thing that's really important that is, really helpful that I've actually come across recently. Um, I don't know if you know the work of Peter Levine. I like starting to kind of touch upon his work, but he does a lot of like somatic practice. So it's really like unstructured movement, essentially, where you set the intention for your body to lead. And like, you're listening and you're feeling into the messages like of your body. So using that as like a practice or vehicle, you can also call in the empress. Um, So you can just like play music, shut your eyes, be in any position, all fours, whatever feels comfortable and safe for you. And then just start to like ask your body to show you or give you any guidance as to like what the empress could look like or like how your body wants to embody the empress. Um, if that makes sense, that's like a really powerful, I find like energetic slash physical practice mm-hmm. that like melds the two. Um, so that's something I do a lot in my embodiment, um, coaching. Yeah. I actually, on my list, I was like going to ask you if you could define somatic movement yeah. and that's, that's really what it, I swear by like, I, I don't think I ever knew that that was like a term, but I've been doing somatic receiving somatic healing for probably about like five years now. Um, I had this really interesting experience. Um, I was in, I have to talk about this circle all the time, but I was in this um, women's circle for about a year where we had like a sisterhood um, um, for a whole year. It was really fun led by uh, my friend Kat actually, um, who was a shaman. And, um, we went on this retreat and it was actually in Asheville, North Carolina, which is so funny. I have done, I've had like several like spiritual experiences in Asheville, which is why I also knew like I was meant to be there. Um, but we had this healer come in and it was about, this was probably four months, four or five months after I had given birth to Ethan, who's my youngest. 
Um, so, you know, I was like, but I was like pretty past, it was my third. So I felt like, you know, I was pretty like experienced in that. I didn't, I didn't feel so connected to like the mom, you know, thing anymore because I, I was already on my third child. And it was like, you know, by the time you're on your third, you're just like, like throw out the children and like life goes on. Um, but anyways, I'm there and we do this like circle, this healer comes and she's kind of just like helping us release anything that's in the body. And I was like, oh, I don't, I'm don't know what I'm going to do. And also it was like with a bunch of people, it was just embarrassing, you know, like I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but she was, she like led me into this position where I was kind of like, I was on my all fours. And before I knew it, I was like birthing all over again and screaming which was like so unlike me because my two births have been my doctor's um, like joke that like I deliver like in like meditation because I'm just like connected to my breath and I just deliver. Like there's like barely a sound for me. But what was very interesting is that my last delivery, Ethan's, um, I was in a hospital setting, which is fine for me because I, my, my whole family, they're all doctors. So I'm very comfortable with hospital settings. They don't feel weird. I grew up in a hospital. My dad was a neonatologist and I spent like every, <laughs> every day after school with him in the hospital there. So, um, but I was in a delivery room, which was with a male doctor, my father, my husband, myself, and this like really young nurse female who had just started and the doctor, as much as I loved him, very masculine. Um, and he was like applauding me for like not making noise. So it was like, oh, okay, like let me keep not making noise. You know, like this is what they want and to not like uh, scare any of the men, even though this last delivery was very painful compared to my other one. Um, but I was like, well, just keep it quiet, Nikki. Like just keep it together. Cause like nobody wants a screaming woman. And they're like applauding me for like being so put together. But I guess the need for that release like hadn't was stuck in my body. So mm. I had to have that experience with the girls. It was all women, all circle, woman healer. And I basically went through like, it was so bizarre. It's like I went through the pain of delivery again, but I did it with like full release. And that was like all stuck in my body. Um, and it was kind of like this masculine kind of patriarchy trauma that like my body was carrying. It didn't seem like such a big deal. Um, but I'm so grateful that I had that experience and was able to like release the cries of like a woman, the screams of a woman when you're birthing. And I just, you know, that was just one of the, I've had several, but that was like, uh, just so cool. It's like, you don't even know what's being, what's stuck in the body, you know, what's stuck in that sacral area. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your experience. Um, it is, yeah, it's, it's a thing like, so I'm, I'm currently studying feminine embodiment coaching with the school of embodied arts, um, with Jenna Ward, amazing, amazing resource for anyone that's listening that wants to start, you know, looking into this type of work and, you know, working towards like bringing back the feminine, um, there's something that she talks about. It's really interesting. And then also studying with you, I'm like making these connections where we can like do an energy healing and then pick up on some of the blocks that, you know, we find in each, uh, chakra. And then with in there, in, in this school, they term it as like, um, frozen tension, which essentially when I read that, I was like, no, that sounds like a, like a block that we would read, you know, in your energy reading, but like, there's so many layers to the body that like sometimes we can encounter an experience and either it can 
there's like different mechanisms, but essentially we like store it, whether we just like kind of numb ourselves, which <laughs> I'm very familiar with. I've tried, been working through that myself or just like other, other ways, but essentially that frozen tension gets stored and it could be stored anywhere, like in the body waiting to be expressed. And I find, you know, with blocks as well, like even though you could point out a block and become aware, sometimes, you know, you're like, okay, I identified it. And then like a year later, it like comes back and you're like, ah, <laughs> like what's happening? So it's also very layered, you know, cause this is like information that gets stored. So I feel like for you, you def it was something you that really just needed to be like fully, fully expressed in order to kind of move on from yeah. that experience. And that is something I find in my clinical practice too. Like I can spot like the physical, you know, like the physical things I need to work on, but then there's, I can always like sense there's like something more that wants to be expressed, but it's a matter of, you know, up to the person and their body, if it's like time for some people, they're so disconnected. It might not happen for some time versus there are other people who are feel like more attuned to it that welcome, welcome that experience. And yeah. that's, kind of, yeah. that's a good example. Like, I mean, that's a yeah. good example that typically like, kind of just, you don't have, I didn't know that was there, but I was like welcomed. I, I was, I, I welcomed anything that like, you know, needed to release. I kind of exist that way, but I don't always yeah. know what it needs to. So um, what are your recommendations? Sorry, actually, no, I wanted to ask you, what are like signs that we're disconnected from our body? Any signs? Oh, there's many. <laughs> so, so a lot of it could be like a lot of anxiety, like feeling like really like essentially stuck in your head. Um, you know, analysis paralysis, having a really tough time making decisions. Um, also like not like even physical tension, like feeling a lot of physical tension in your body, um, burnout, that's a huge one because we're continuing to operate outside. So essentially that's like being disembodied. Um, like a lot of external validation, like a lot, it, it's almost like you put your awareness to your external and there's not much of the internal. Cause some people actually, it's interesting. I'll ask them like, Oh, what do you feel today? <laughs> when they walk into my practice and like that stops them, they like don't talk for like five minutes. Cause they're like looking up, they're like, huh? It's like, no one has ever asked them before. How, how are you doing? Like, what are you feeling? Um, and it, then it takes time for them to be like, what does that feel like? Because <laughs> it's a different thing. Like, how are yeah. you doing? And what are you feeling? Those are like two different questions. Because yeah. usually you're like, oh, how are you doing? You're like, oh, I'm good. Like, I'm, you know, I'm well or just whatever. That's kind of what we say. But like, yeah. are you feeling? You're like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what I'm feeling. Yeah. I have to say that's probably my, you know, being in a medical setting, how I bring this work in. I immediately I'll ask someone like, how are you feeling? Because then I can kind of get a sense of what, you know, could be going on in all layers of their bodies. So that's actually a great exercise. You know, it's so simple, just like asking yourself, asking your body, how are you feeling today? Yes. And then I, waiting I, for an answer. <laughs> kind of being in collaboration with your body. Like I, every morning I, um, part of my routine is like I stretch and I just, 
I just feel my body. I'm just like, Hey, like, how are you doing? Like what, you know, what's going on? You know, all that kind of, all that kind of stuff. Cause we just forget that we're in a body. I mean, I forget I'm in, in a body all the time. Um, just doing things in my head and, you know, moving ahead, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So pelvic floor, um, why, like, what is it? And I mean, we talked a little bit about the, that it's yeah. like, it's those muscles in there, but, um, are there any, like, if I have a great pelvic floor, let's say like, if it's working really awesome energetically, like, what does my life look like? Like, what are the, like, why do I want to get a good pelvic floor? Hmm, that's such an interesting question. Let me sit with that for a moment. Well, there's two things that could be happening here. I just want to know. I don't want anyone to walk away from the episode, like doing Kegels, like forever and ever, because then you swing the other way. <laughs> so either you don't have that awareness, perhaps there's like, you don't have any sensation and then you work to exercise and then you get to a point or like you just like over-exercise and you can actually exacerbate like, like I, I'm someone who suffers from pelvic floor pain, just like pain with intercourse, pain with like other functions. Um, so I guess in, you want to be balanced. Like when, if your pelvic floor, I guess, is in good health, you are feeling energetically balanced, um, perhaps energetically very like confident, um, which again, it's like, I know confidence is more like um, solar plexus, but I find, you know, things from the lower affect the upper. So increased confidence, perhaps like feeling very perhaps like secure and like safe and like comfortable in your body. I can just, I'm just drawing from even my own experience when I finally felt my pelvic floor and Pilates for the first time, like when was this 2016 where I was like, Oh, that's what it is. Mm -hmm. I like, I just remember I like show, I was like showing up in the world differently. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, I had like, for some reason, increased confidence that I knew where it was. Oh, you're just like um, swagger. You're like, you get your like swagger yeah. in a way. I had, um, I've been doing, I was doing private, I've been doing private Pilates sessions for like 10 years, like since I got married. Um, I don't do them anymore because I'm in Nashville, but, um, and actually I used to always joke because my teacher is, um, she's, she's half Jamaican and half Asian. And she's a total shaman. Like she, and she doesn't know those terms or whatever, but I feel like women that work in Pilates or with that area, like there's just something, it's so interesting. There's just something about those people. Like, it's like a, it's totally like some sort of shamanic practice. I used to write, even write down like the phrases she would say, cause she always had like these words of wisdom for mm -hmm. me. It's always a joke. And she used to call the, um, the pelvic floor, like kind of area or the muscle, I don't know what's the best term, but she would say, turn up your light or turn down your light. Like she was basically saying that like my light came from there. Um, and she would make me like turn up or turn down. Like that's the way like my hips would move. And I totally understood that. Like she, she feels that there was like a light coming from that area and either you can point it up or you can point it down or point it to the side. And that's how she got me to connect like to the light that was inside my sacral basically. And then she would direct my movements according to like a, almost like a flashlight is how I would use it. Wow. Sorry. I like, I love that. Now I'm like thinking of like <laughs> all the people I've been like queuing 
I mean, that makes sense in a way, like even energetically. Um, so people, I find either in their pelvis, I mean, if you're listening to this, just notice like, if you just like kind of rock back and forth on your sits bones, like on your perineum, you can see like your pelvis is like a bowl that like rocks forward and like backwards, like essentially you could arch your back, you know, like tuck your back or tuck your pelvis. I find people um, who experience a lot of like pelvic pain um, or it's just like a little bit more like tight or like hypertonic, we call it in PT, um, tend to be in like more posterior tilt. This is just general, by the way. I'm just, this is an observation. Um, I mean, it makes sense because you're like kind of assuming a fetal position because you're like protective. There's like something you're holding in there, essentially maybe dimming your light because I guess when your pelvis tips up, (laughs) the light's not showing through versus the other way where you're tipping your pelvis forward, like anterior tilt. There's like so much light coming forward because now the cranium has room to like move. But I find like maybe sometimes people just like may have like let they like let it out too much. And those are the people that like need to reel it in and like build that connection. Sorry, that was like a very cool I I was there to like piece together. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. We're all rocking (laughs) cat. We're all moving around. Yeah. Um, yeah, she would always be like, turn your light down, turn it up, turn it to the yeah. I totally understood that because it is a weird area that it's not a boat, you know, it's like, it's, uh, it's, it really does have a different shape than I feel like your other, like your other ligaments. I don't know. I don't know anything about anatomy, but it does have like a different shape and almost like it's, it feels like if you're building a Lego, it's, it's a, it's a different Lego piece than just like the regular one. So you really have to like learn how to, how to use it. And that's, she just always taught me that way. It was really funny. Yeah. Um, so any, um, any at home tips that we can do to st- like to strengthen our pelvic floor? Sure. So I'm sure a lot of people know the term kegels. Now, it's important to know if you are, this is like my medical background talking, if you are a candidate for Kegels, because like I mentioned before, sometimes you might not be someone who will benefit from that because you might be already like super tight. So I like to just describe this as like a pelvic floor contraction where we focus on relaxing the pelvic floor and then engaging the pelvic floor. You have to relax your pelvic floor to engage. And perhaps I feel like a lot of us don't relax our pelvic floors enough. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think Kegels are associated with like tightening too much. So even I try to shy away from that term when I'm, you know, speaking with people so that they don't get too caught up in like the energy of that, Mm. that term. So that's actually, that's something we could try. I can actually lead you guys quickly into just like a little like, pelvic floor cue connection exercise that I do with a lot of my patients and clients. Um, And this is what I would have recommended, like breath, um, exercise. So we'll do it all (laughs) in like two minutes. Okay, let's do it. So you guys are just going to close your eyes. And perhaps if you're listening, you're in a comfortable seat. And just for a moment, I want you to bring your awareness to your breath. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And then exhale out through your mouth. 
and I'll just start to find a nice, easy, easy uh, rhythm of breath here. And just like notice where it's going into your body right now. If it's going into your chest, perhaps your belly, maybe you're feeling it in your pelvis. Just make note of what that is feeling like for you right now. And now you're gonna bring your awareness to your sits bones. So those are like the pointy parts of your glutes. So if you need to shift side to side to facilitate that connection, you can do so if that's gonna help you. And then just do that gentle like forward, that rocking forward and backwards. So you might feel some like sensation, especially near your perineum, which is just below, if you're female identifying just below like where the vagina opening is. I just have to point out men have pelvic floors too. So it's <laughs> similar. And now that you've established that connection, I want you now take a deep breath in and I want you to try to bring your breath down into your perineum, into the surface that you're sitting on. And you might start to feel a little bit of like a downward pressure. Essentially, you want to feel like your pelvic floor is stretching. It's relaxing. And then exhale. You're just going to gently kind of pull your pelvic floor away from the floor. So you're going to feel a little less pressure now near the perineum. And we'll do that a couple more times. So you're inhaling, filling up your pelvic floor, your belly, your chest, feeling that downward movement and relaxation. And then exhaling to draw your pelvic floor up and away from the ground. A nice visual here, I sometimes cue is like, you want to imagine like a diamond mm -hmm. sitting at the opening and you're pulling the diamond up and in. Mm, okay. You're yeah. Like it in. yeah. Okay. All right. And whenever you're ready, you can continue, you know, exploring this, but you can open your eyes. I was there with you, Kat. <laughs> Did you feel it? <laughs> like I actually, it's funny. I noticed a lot of things. I noticed number one, like I sit on, the, I always sit on the couch to do like teaching and interviews and it is like not supportive for me at all, which is interesting. Like I was like, this is not supporting my, um, which I have like pain in my shoulder too, which, or even the back, like, it's just so interesting how, like, if that area is not stable, um, like even your back and your shoulders, like everything is kind of your posture is just so off. And that was the first thing I noticed. Wow. I'm like, wow, I am not sitting on a supportive chair or couch. <laughs> yeah, honestly, that's why I always, whether a patient comes in with like shoulder or like, I don't know, back pain, neck pain, I always orient from the pelvis first. Once yeah. you get the pelvis in like a good position, it really does dictate the yeah. rest of your body. So imagine if we did that energetically. <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, man, this, uh, which just makes sense, right? Like if your root and your sacral, like if those foundational energy centers are not working, then, you know, it starts from the bottom up. What do you sit on, Kat? Me? Well, yeah. right now I'm sitting on the floor, but I'm sitting on a yoga block and 
the yoga block is um, making my hips higher than my knees. And that's actually what I would recommend for people, especially if you work from home. I do a lot of like desk ergonomic coaching. (laughs) And I always tell people you want to orient your pelvis higher than your knees. So that way your pelvis can like rock better into like a better position in terms of like, you know, like seat recommendations. It just really depends on your body. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know what your what your positions like, Nikki, but you might have to take a look <laughs> when we move. I'm making a new office right now, so I'm totally going to have oh. a consultation with you because um, I kind of yeah, I'm like, you know like some of the pain that I have, I'm like, it's nothing more than like the, my posture, like what I'm doing out all day or the way that I sleep, I sleep in a little ball. Cause I'm like a little cancer child that needs to be like, <laughs> you know, in fetal position, yeah. um, like hurting my body because of that. So anyways, that's really funny. Oh, Kat. Well, I loved having you. This was so helpful. And this meditation was like just the perfect way to kind of bring ourselves home. I love this practice. I actually am super interested too in your ancestral, um, like I love that, that sparked a lot of your interest. And it's just, it's been interesting. It's been beautiful to see you come home too, like in, in a weird way, like part of it is like coming home to your body, but coming home to your roots, like where you're from, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's been very beautiful to see you, um, on that journey and like finding yourself in that way. So, and I'm just so grateful that you're out there in the world. And then a lot of people seek you out after they give birth, right? Cause that's usually when the pelvic floor gets a little, can, can go a little bad. Yeah. <laughs> it needs a little help <laughs> before, like it's not just something for after pregnancy. Yes. Um, something that we don't, you know, again, we don't really talk about here in the States. I think countries like France and Europe, they're, offering it like all along the spectrum but even if like pelvic floor pts for everyone no matter what like point in life you're in um you can i i highly recommend women like come into prep before birth like to bring that awareness to the area Mm -hmm. to hopefully facilitate like a smoother birth or like more positive outcome um and then like for anyone who's not even thinking about conceiving or like you know, um, stepping into motherhood, like there's still a need, I feel like to connect there. So you can literally come to pelvic floor PT at like any point, same thing. You can be working on your sacral chakra at any point. You don't have to be a mom or when you hear the word womb too, you don't have to be like a mom to be exploring that area because we all have it. Yeah. Men and women. Definitely. And like, you know, yeah. the womb carries the energy of like what you're going to birth, yeah. where you were birthed from, like all of those like important, those important topics to be able to like work, to work through. Oh, so it's beautiful. I love this cat. Well, thank you for spending time with us and thank you for sharing like your gifts and your meditations. You have the embodiment um, coaching, which sounds awesome. Um, that's like your main offering right now, right? And you do, are you doing readings? Yeah. So right now you can find me in clinical practice at physio elements as a pelvic floor therapist. I'm in Connecticut and New York. So anyone, anyone who's local to those areas, you know, please reach out. Um, and then I also do the embodiment coaching, which is like a three to four month deep dive where we basically like combine all the things we talked about today 
Um, I do readings, like I'll do like a purpose reading. We connect to your higher self so that we work on, you know, we're, we're working on a path to embodying that. Um, but then I also do these like single sessions. Um, the most popular one right now is like the one-on-one womb wellness session where I do a womb reading. Um, and then I bring in feminine embodiment coaching um, and like other modalities as well. So that's where I like bring in my reading, my uh, reading sorry. tools. <laughs> Cause like, I, I feel like I heal a lot. So <laughs> yeah, it's all of it. Yeah. yeah. If you were to read my womb, what do you think you would find? Like, what would be your guesses? I have guesses too. Like, what would I find in my womb? A lot. I feel like for you, just watching your journey with Soul Collective, there's like so much to be birthed, I feel like, still with you. You're like the eternal you, mother of birth. Yeah. Yeah. I think about yeah. that too. Yeah. No, somebody who was it that read my sacral once and was like, oh my gosh, it's like a, a factory in here. Like it just looks mm. like it's like a place of birthing. I love birthing. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for being here, Kat. I loved you so much. We will um, have all of your links. If anybody wants to connect with Kat and enjoy her work, just check out the show notes. Thanks, Kat. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening. I love you guys so much. If you love what you're hearing, would you mind leaving a review or sharing with a friend? That little review does so much. It's so damn helpful. You don't even know. So thank you for that. And if you're ready to unlock your spiritual gifts, enroll in my three-level program, Soul Academy, or join my free community, Soul Collective. I'd love to have you there. The links to join are below in this episode. Until next time, love you much.